Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Is it true that some ghosts are trying to accomplish unfinished business? Are parasites making people dumber? When are the aliens going to save us from ourselves? Well, hello there, and welcome to the 2013, the lucky 2013, I should say. And this is the 413th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. <laughs> Look, 1313. All right, I'm Ben. Creepy, huh? And those all-over-the-map questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So this evening, we're plunging into the new year with some more thoughtful, interesting emails that we have received from listeners like you. But first, our weekly paranormal contest. So the question from our last show on December 17th was, in 2008, a British paranormal club captured a film with uh, with what they believed to be the ghost of a soldier from the English Civil War. The picture was taken at what scene, or at the scene of what battle? Well, actually, not a lot of people even tried to answer that. Nobody got it right. Uh, A number of those who did try complained that they were confused by the two reruns we did over the holidays which each had a question of their own from days of yore, and, of course, those didn't count. Anyway, we'll be clearer on that at such times in the future. In any case, the correct answer to the question from the last live show, the correct answer to the correct question, was the Battle of Naseby during the English Civil War. Uh, that photo can be seen at, I'm not even going to try this long site, but go to BehindTheParanormal.com to the Talking Points page for this show, and you'll be able to... Uh, Get a link to that picture. I didn't want to put it on the website because, uh, you know, we don't own it. Uh, anyway, we, um, again, behind the paranormal.com, the photo, uh, which was taken at night, shows what appears to be a striding figure carrying a weapon. Personally, I think it's a tree. Uh, anyway, besides, if it is a person and he's dead, he'd be dead without life and not striding anywhere. So if the photo really is of a quote-unquote ghost, it's a photo through time into a parallel world where it's still June 1645 and the battle is still going on. At least or that's what a parallel I mean. world with gun-toting trees. Gun-toting trees. Hey, if you can conceive it, it's possible in quantum mechanics, right? Oh, indeed. Uh, Wizard of Oz. Oh, <laughs> so the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, all, all, all that, that tree needed was... Uh, oh, would you like it if I pick something off you? <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, good thing you didn't know how to shoot. I know. Uh, I don't know why it's so hard for people to see ghost phenomena from that point of view anyway, but hey, it is what it is. All right, so this week's question is, in what town in the United States of America would you find the alleged ghost of John Stetson? So nail that and win a copy of Faces at the Window, my dad's 1998 book. So here we go. Okay. Oh, boy. Here's a short one, Ben. You like nice short ones. I this do like short ones. Courtney in Needham, Massachusetts. Alrighty, so Courtney writes to us. Hi, Paul and Ben. I like, to think that a- <laughs> I like to think that aliens are here to help us. As you guys say, maybe they created us and are trying to help us. Wait, did we say that? What? Did we ever say that? Everybody else says that. Oh, well, maybe, maybe we mentioned somebody else saying that. Uh, but you seem to think more, more like that the that more like that scene in Independence Day when people are on top of the buildings to welcome the aliens, and they get fried instead. <laughs> I'd like to think that the aliens are good. Well, I guess well, we'd all like to think that's we'd all, good. <laughs> that's right. We'd all like to think they're good, but the question is, we, the thing is, we just don't know. We well, often not everything have, is sunshine and roses. Well, that that's exactly right. And I remember we have people from the um, uh, exopolitics movement. Oh yes, on the show from time to time, 
and they just don't want to believe that there's anything nasty about any of these aliens. And I always, we always ask them the question, what about the abduction phenomenon? People return with these horror stories, and especially if they really are being abducted by some sort of people who aren't like us, then the question arises, well, how, how benign can they be? Do they and have consciences? Yeah, how could we even relate to them if they're nothing like us? Well, exactly. Well, that, that's what Lovecraft always thought. Yeah. You know, th- these uh, utterly alien is what an alien yeah, would be. Yeah, there's... T- that's the word alien. Like, different. well, that's the very word. But yeah, different. Uh, but in any case, uh, I, I just think that we need to present a balanced view on this. And uh, personally, I, mean, I don't know about Ben, but I I think that we we have a lot of uh, questions about the motives, uh, the origins, the nature, uh, even the appearance of whatever these may be. Uh, we don't know if they're from other planets. I mean, we tend to see things from our own point of view, and that's a very limited point of view. And that point of view says, well, you know, something's flying through the air, a little guy's come out of it, it's got to be a spaceship. Well, maybe not. Um, I know that uh, Ted Phillips from Sedalia, Missouri, who was a guest on the show once in a while, probably has the largest database of landing information about craft that have landed, UFOs that have landed, a uh, huge database that um, just includes you know thousands of recorded landings that have left physical traces, whether it be depressions in the, in the grass or the crops or whatever, or uh, footprints or things of that kind, Ted has it. And he says that the nature of UFOs has been changing somewhat. They don't look like craft very often anymore, nothing we would recognize. And the, the, many of the recent sightings have appeared to be something like orbs, such as we see in, in ghost photographs, so-called. So we, don't, we really don't know what's happening with this whole scenario. And I just, you know, and, and as I often say, I don't trust half the people I meet on the street, never mind something that's going to crawl out of some sphere or uh, alien or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I just think we need... Uh, in the sense of, of prudence uh, to keep our guard up on these things. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's just like uh, like when we're taught as like kids in kindergarten, hold your hands when you, walk, when you walk across the street, look both ways, like don't talk to strangers. Like, Absolutely. I mean, it's common sense stuff. I mean, if some like alien being comes down and says, oh, I'm going to take you away to a better place, that's just weird. I mean, I well, Ben, you have a wonderful way of, of getting something across in a simple manner, you know, which I, I tend I tend to complicate things. I try. I don't know why the aliens are Mickey Mouse, but well, you, you know, one thing that, that comes to mind is the Phoenix Lights. These were as Phoenix, of course, being Phoenix, Arizona, and starting in the nineties, that was very famous sighting. They began to see, you know, up up in the sky over the city, state capitol, for all to see, including the governor. Uh, at the time, who later came out and admitted that he saw it himself, were uh, strings of lights. And, of course, after the fact, the Air Force, uh, the Air Force of the National Guard of the Army, I can't remember which, said, uh, uh, oh, well, actually, we were dropping flares. That's what those were. Aha. Uh-huh. But, of course, they didn't act like flares, and not at all. So, anyway, I um, was a witness myself to those a few years ago. Ben and I were on the way to San Diego to do a program. We were, of course, in an airplane. And there we are. We Ben was asleep, but I saw the whole thing. And uh, I did not feel what many people have said that they felt when they saw these things, which is great peace and a sense of being watched in a benign manner and sort of being taken care of. Uh, I didn't get that feeling at all, but of course not everyone who's seen these things says that. But a lot of the exopolitics people who are... Exopolitics means that we should be prepared to deal 
on a, um, I suppose, a diplomatic basis with whoever this might be, uh, establish interplanetary relations. But of course, that's the how. (laughs) Well, how? And that's the assumption, not only that these people are willing to be dealt with and that they are what we think they are, it's uh, the matter that they are also um, consider themselves on an equal level to us, which is highly dubious if they are advanced. And of course, my definition of advancement is not what everybody else's definition is. We assume that advancement means technological advancement, more gadgets, the ability to travel faster, farther, and higher, whatever. I don't see it that way. I think advancement is spiritual and moral advancement. I would farm, I would rather be uh, dealing with some uh, being or group of beings that is spiritually and morally advanced than, or philosophically advanced, whatever, than one that is, um, you know, like a kid who's found his father's gun. Uh, that kind of advancement is not advancement at all, in my opinion, you know, technological advancement. So there we are. That's, uh, I don't know what else to tell you there, uh, uh, Courtney, but uh, that seems to be uh, our point of view, certainly on that. So there we have it. You ready for a long one, Ben? Uh, let's just it's take it in that stride. Let me, let me just mark it up so then we can... All right, all right. Uh, okay, we'll okay. Here, here's, this is the subject. Short question. This is Lori J. from Attleboro, Mass. Oh, good. Perfect. All right, so I know you guys like short questions. So why <laughs> do burning? Why does burning sage help uh, chase away bad spirits? Okay, well, that's a very good question. And we just we, we do suggest that people do that. Matter of fact, a new case in Connecticut, we were suggesting that just recently. Although it was me, because you didn't go. No. But in any case, sage is, of course, an herb. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it it's is part of the mint family. Thank you, Ben. Part of the mint family. You are encyclopedic in your knowledge of these things. I don't know. And, of course, what one does is simply to burn the leaf, the dried leaf, and it creates a very lovely aroma. And it does seem to calm things down in paranormal situations. And, of course, the question here, the way this is worded, I would have to, of course, take a look at that, uh, chase away bad spirits. And, again, I have to say, anybody who is an experienced listener here knows that I don't consider these to be spirits. Now, spirit means a disembodied being without a body. And I don't see how people can be people without their bodies. Our point of view, of course, as everyone knows who listens regularly, is that these are not as dead people who have become spirits. These are actual people with actual bodies who are existing in parallel realities as theorized in quantum physics. Maybe she means parasites? Uh, well, bad spirit. Yeah, I, I would interpret that as parasites. Yeah. So, so those are not people, but they still have bodies in my experience because I've had physical con- physical uh, contact. Con- Contact and yeah. confrontations with them. Yeah. All right. Even though you can't see them very clearly usually, but in any case, whatever they may be, sage does seem to have an effect, and uh, it's very interesting that way because there are other things that seem to have effects on these things as well. One of them is bells. Now, of course, uh, we associate bells with churches, and we re- and we wonder we wonder whether um, uh, where this tradition came from. Uh, the, the fact is that, that it was an ancient belief, and many ancient beliefs have a lot of wisdom to them. And as a matter of fact, even medicine, mo- modern medicine, is discovering that many folk remedies actually had value. It was believed that bells chased away demons, the sound of the bells. And wouldn't you know, uh, the beings upon which the demon stories, I believe, are based are parasites, as we call them. And, and you know, they're not spirits, they're not servants of Satan, they're actual life forms that seem to be interdimensional and that feed upon our energy. Weird as it sounds, that's what they, they have been in my uh, decades of experience on this. 
So what uh, we find is that we, um, when you ring bells, they often will be frightened. I don't know if it's frightened, but they will at least be quiet for a while or sometimes even leave it. I, why well, that, that like is, the, I don't Well, know. that was like the lore of church bells, and that's why churches have bells. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And uh, one might think, well, perhaps these are um, uh, setting up certain sound waves that might... Uh, uh, what, what, when, when they are present to us, they are partially in our world. Mm. And when we have experiences of them, we're partially in their world. Yeah. And that seems to be how it work, works with any paranormal uh, situation. And, and it happens a lot during the day, and you don't even notice it because it doesn't stand out. Nothing's hitting you overhead with a chair or anything. So uh, <laughs> you know, that's actually happened to me. Oh, let's and, hope not. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, that seems to be the case. Uh, so the bell, uh, the, the way, sound waves from the bell, the bell perhaps have some sort of effect on their species, uh, much as uh, I suppose it would on, on some others. I know our cat doesn't like bells. Uh, he's some, he's a pretty strange cat, but uh, you know, I rang that little bell that's down in our library, and he, he just doesn't like that. Yeah, so, he doesn't really. Yeah. Really so in any case, a sage may be something, uh, something similar. It has... Uh, uh, the properties of um, uh, being known throughout various cultures as as being a, a very cleansing and a calming uh, effect on the general scene. So I think that's essentially what it is. Uh, that when they are when these parasites are present, they are partially in our world, and whatever they. Uh, I'm not entirely. I, I've identified about nine species of these things, but whether they have senses as we do is another question. Uh, let me give you. People seem to be calling, although not here. Oh uh, no, no, it's it's for. Um it, it's for uh, the contest question, the trivia question. Oh, the, oh, the contest. Okay, good. Uh, but nevertheless, let me give you the number again uh, for those who are in the local area, particularly four zero one seven six six one two four zero, or in anywhere in the U.S. eight hundred four four nine one two four zero. If you'd like to talk to us during this open line show, which is pretty much we usually deal with emails, but people are very welcome to call in with any questions that may arise right. as we discuss these things. So on to the next part of the question, which is why does sage help? Well, I think I just explained that. You were on the phone, so maybe you didn't. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah, okay. I kind of missed that. <laughs> no, that's, that's all right. I'm sorry about yeah, that. We're pretty busy here in the studio. We don't just uh, kind of, you know, get to, to talk to each other that much, uh, except um, uh, anyway. So here's, a, here's another question here. Ben is on the phone again, so I will uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, give you this one. This one is um, from Mike in uh, New York City here. And uh, I will take the liberty of reading this because Ben's a little bit tied up. Uh, hi, guys. When you talk about parasites, you always make the point that, quote, the devil made me do it, unquote, is no excuse, and the people have to take the responsibility for their own actions. That's good. But have you noticed that people seem to be getting dumber, and so they have less personal responsibility? Could parasites be pushing buttons, as you say, to make people dumber? Love your show. You talk about interesting stuff nobody else does. In fact, you are smarter than most of your guests. You should do more open line shows. Well, thank you very much, Mike. As uh, Mark Twain says, I can live six months on one good compliment. Uh, but that's a, that's kind of an interesting point. I kind of missed that. You want to give me? A, okay. You know, yeah. You, yeah. You keep talking. It, yeah. Uh, as, as people get well, as 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 Mike puts it, dumber, do they become more susceptible to the influence of parasites? Uh, that perhaps might be the case. We find that if people are not thinking logically uh, or are thinking not thinking critically, they may fall into a number of traps if they're interested in the paranormal. Among these might be using Ouija boards or doing seances, you know, these sledgehammer tactics that are just no good because you're knocking holes in space-time and anything can come through. 
usually uh, none too friendly. So uh, that is, is a distinct possibility. We often find that people are just, um, they have trouble getting the idea that they shouldn't do these things because they can be dangerous. You know, in a way, Ben, you know, we, we, we grow, I don't know if you need parasites to make people dumber. Well, no. We seem to be doing a good job on our own. We grow up in a world where we are protected from everything. And that's with the best of intentions. But, you know, when I was a kid, I used to take you to the playgrounds when you were little, you and your brother too, and things were changing even then. Things became safe. We, we were allowed to make mistakes when I was a kid back in days of yore. Of course, the, you yeah. know, the Triceratops was grazing on the town green back then. But the thing is, we were, and when we made a mistake, if you put your, your hand on that hot stove, you never did it again. Yeah. If you fell out of that tree, you learned, well, gee, I can't just jump out of a tree and fly. You know, you never did that again either. You were very careful. But today, people are not allowed to make mistakes. Right here in Woonsocket, Woonsocket is a great town in many ways, but I, I will never get over some of the habits of the people. People walk in the middle of the street, and I, I don't I don't get that. I mean, I even, we even see people with baby carriages, maybe not in the middle of the street, but on the side. Now, of course, I can see it in the winter because nobody shovels their sidewalks, so you have to walk in the street. But I mean, and, and uh, a bunch of kids uh, sort of walked out in front of them, didn't even look. The first thing we were taught, you know, I sound like the old grandpa here, but the first thing we were taught was look both ways when you cross the street. Well, it made me an old grandpa too, because that, <laughs> so you taught me. Like. Yeah, exactly. And we lived on a dirt, at the end of a dirt road when you were born. Yeah. But still, we moved to quote unquote the city here. You know, you were taught to do that. So, I mean, it, it might kind of strikes a chord with me here. People really do seem to be getting kind of dumb. And, uh, yeah, there can be parasitic consequences to that if you happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. So, I don't know, what, what do you have to say on that? Well, you pretty much hit the nail on the head, but um, I feel like parasites don't help. No. I mean, there's a lot of factors in our society that make it so people get dumber. I mean, we're distracted co- constantly. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, everyone in my generation always has their phone out. Like, I, I would be over, like, a friend's house... And like his entire family would be like on their phones or iPads or whatever, what have you, or laptops. And like they'd just be sitting around just doing that, not talking. And I'm just like, this is, this is scary. Like, yeah, this is scary. There's like no contact whatsoever. And people are losing social skills. People don't know how to talk to other people. There's a, there's a lot of a lot of factors besides that. But I feel like that that he does have a point in his statement there. But well, what what do we find is one of the major factors. In parasite influence and in parasite cases, isolation. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, people isolated from one another. And the, the biggest healing technique that we have found in that is that is bringing people together. Mm. Putting your energies and, and your mind and your affection and, and your humor and all the good things you can muster, all the positive energy you can muster together, and that keeps parasites away. Yeah. Well, then it's just a matter of getting away from, well, maybe individuality is probably a sort of, Probably doesn't help that either. I mean, the whole concept of it, like, well, when it comes from individuality to narcissism. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That's that's when it gets out of control. Well, as I said, my last book certainly uh, there really is no such thing as an individual. It, you know, as I said, with all due respect to the founders of our of our country uh, and the constitution and the Bill of Rights, and the, the the fact is that we really are a communal group. We. Um, it's like there's no such thing as one person. I mean, there there is always a community, and in the multiverse point of view that we always expound upon in this show, we really are 
each other. There are, there, there are concrete connections in, in more ways than one. So in any case, uh, Mike, I think, has an excellent point here that uh, we need to be a little bit – we need to be smart these days, not just street smarts, but street smarts would include being aware of situations that, that can make us vulnerable to, if you want to call it, spiritual dangers or anything of that kind. Okay, so thank you, Mike, for uh, for writing in. Okay, uh, I am going to get started on the, actually get started on this on this one from John F. and John just says USA, so he's somewhere in the United States. Uh, my dear Paul and Ben, you are this is embarrassing. I'm not going to these compliments are all right, we appreciate them, but uh, uh, shining lights in a long night of paranormal nonsense. Okay. But as much as I enjoy your shows, I have to say that a few of your shows and your last coast-to-coast appearance really haunt me, pardon the pun. (laughs) These are shows in which you speak about parasites having easier access to our world because of thinning world boundaries. I am an astrophysicist, and I can say that I believe every word you say is correct when you talk about the odd electromagnetic energy in our galactic neighborhood lately. If your theory about EM fields electromagnetic fields, that is, affecting these boundaries is correct, and I have every reason to believe that it is, we are in for some major upheavals. EM fields can affect human behavior in certain circumstances, and I think these recent and terrible acts of violence are examples of that. Okay, that, that's the first paragraph. Ah, okay. okay. Yeah, sorry about that. I was, oh, no, we, no, we no. Actually, no. Just got, we just got a contest winner, Donna Fantoni of Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Oh, very good. Yep. A, lo- a local winner. That's great. Yes. Okay. And I'll, I'll give you all the other information after the show. Okay. Can't really give that on the air. Any hoodles. Um, so we're on to the second paragraph, are we? Uh, yes. All right. I am no believer in the end of the world in December. Uh, well, now, this, yeah. came, this came. We're, we're no still believe- trying to catch up with these. I sorry. was not a believer of the end of the world in December. <laughs> But I do believe that some kind of change is in the offing. Uh, my question to you is, do you and the, quote, neighbors, unquote, stick to your beliefs over the over the past few years that we face a great and negative invasion, or for lack of better words, by parasites? Uh, yeah, P.S., uh, you are right about the vast majority of scientists. They are a fearful academic they're fearful of academic ridicule and generally will not stick their necks out for new ideas unless you are a renowned nutcase with a PhD. <laughs> you can't get away without uh, with it without losing your job. Wow. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, we always kind of suspected that. Yeah. But uh, thank you very much, John. Uh, boy, I wish you would tell us where you teach. Uh, I assume you're a professor. I'd like to uh, talk to you further. But obviously, you have to watch out for your job, and that's that's understandable. Yeah, we have some very courageous PhDs who do come on the show uh, often enough. So, in any case, okay, I guess essentially the question here is, uh, okay, so we all got through December. We never really believed in that anyway. We always said we kind of took it with a pillar of salt. And major changes are always taking place in the world. And December twenty first didn't seem to be anything special about that. However. In the galactic neighborhood, the fact remains that a lot of strange energies do seem to be bounding around electromagnetic energies because of uh, there are certain alignments and the galactic area has flattened out, flattened out, and that that changes things here and there. I'm not an astrophysicist myself, but we have been told by people who know that that there are interesting things going on. But that doesn't mean anything weird is going to happen here. However. We have noticed, and maybe it's because we're better known these days than we used to be, we have noticed a lot of increased paranormal activity from all 
from every which where. People are contacting us from every place about this. Strange things are happening seemingly more than they used to, or at least people are noticing them more. Yeah. I don't know. We, we feel that uh, these boundaries between these parallel worlds that we're always talking about are thinning. More people are having weird experiences, it seems. Almost everyone we meet. Uh, what, what about among your friends and, the, and their families? Uh, we've been, been hearing things from... Oh, yeah, of course. Um, oh, wait. Huh, sorry, my mic wasn't on. Oopsies. Well, yeah, of course. Of course, uh, you always hear, like, I always hear weird things from people, and they always ask my advice on what to do. Like, um, my friend had a really weird experience on New Year's Eve, and before that, a few, uh, he had, like, this really weird thing happen in his house where the drawers would open when nobody was home, and all the silver would just get taken out and placed in, like, all over a table when nobody was there, and the house was locked and everything. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, uh, which it hasn't happened again, but there were a lot of other weird things that happened. But anyway, um, from what I've seen, it seems like, and what I've heard, things have been increasing in, um, what's the word? Frequency. Mm. There has been an increase in frequency of these events occurring, whether it's just people taking notice of them or maybe something weird is really happening. Like, I don't really I, – I don't know enough to say it's electromagnetic fields because I'm not an astrophysicist, nor am I do I know much about plate tectonics besides what I learned in a general education course on astronomy. I don't really – have the knowledge to say for sure that this is due to cosmic events because I'm not an astrophysicist. We can't really rely on experts to say anything because, well, mass hysteria would take place if they were to say, hey, the like galaxy's flattening out. Um, this is going to do a lot of weird things to us. Well, if anybody was paying attention. People if don't pay attention to the news anymore. Well, I almost don't blame them, but you have to be responsible if you're going to be a voter. Yeah, that's true. I don't even like reading newspapers. But... Still, the point being is – actually, I forgot my point. <laughs> I forgot my point. So you think you were my age. No, no I, mean, I had something going and then I just – it just sort of – Well, no, no I mean I, I see I see your point. Actually, we're going to take a, um, a break, time for a break uh, at the bottom of the then hour Then we here. can gather we'll our thoughts We'll be right back and gather our thoughts and maybe yeah. we can remember what we were talking about. Yes. <laughs> what you were talking about. But no, I, there are a couple of points I wanted to make on this, which I think might be significant. All righty. But in any case, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON, 1240 AM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. Stay with us. Hi, Rick Pickard here. The great sounds of rock and roll is back. Every Sunday from 1 to 4, Memory Lane will be playing songs from the 50s and early 60s. Be part of the great memories and sounds. See you there. Owen Radio. Owen Worldwide. Okay, uh, it's Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. And we are talking about a letter here from Mike, who was an astrophysicist who was saying that he sort of agrees with our points of view on things. And I just wanted to point out, as Ben was saying, that a number of people have been reporting strange things, people in his uh, uh, sphere of friends and this thing. And, of course, granted, he is the youngest internationally recognized paranormal expert in the world, so he's going to hear things. Mm. So what I would say on this is there's a point that is important, and that's that we've got energies flying around that, that, that are that could be responsible for some of these things. And that is the point that that we uh, are trying to make, that, that the yeah. boundaries are thinning. 
Now, everybody will say, well, something took, opened the drawer and took the silver out and set the table. It must have been, quote, the ghost that did it. Well, not necessarily. I'm always using analogies to describe Well, it didn't really how, set the table. It was just sort of like strewn across the table. Oh, kind of like, well, kind of like we set the yeah. table. Huh? All right. So what happens is that very often there are energies that create funny things with space time. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and that's, these things can happen. In many, many cases of odd and random events are not necessarily, the, quote, the ghost doing it, unquote. It's the energies that uh, are present when paranormal phenomena can manifest. They may have nothing to do with any particular entity or person who's there. Uh, as uh, what I always talk about is, you know, people, you know, running down the hallway and, and the, the papers fly off the desk because of the air they stir up. Yeah. Or opening the kitchen door and in fly in comes your neighbor, but also in comes the mosquito and all this other stuff. Now tell me of electromagnetics. Okay, well, well electromagnetic well, how, fields. Like, well, how, how would that have to do with this? Okay, well, you know those pictures we get? Yeah. With those weird, brilliant lights sort of in, in lines across scenes and there's yeah. one room on one side, one on the other, this kind of thing. Uh, those, I believe, are world boundaries. What is creating the bright light, in my opinion, has been uh, electrically, well, well, essentially plasma, mm-hmm. electrically charged air molecules. And what is an electrical field? An electrical field surrounds an electric current. Mm-hmm. So that I'm not big on gadgets, neither are you. No. And But early in the 1990s, when I first started to use an EMF meter, I may have been, I don't know, maybe I was one of the first ones to use it because an engineer, a friend of mine, suggested it. I was editor of the local new, weekly newspaper at the time, so I didn't quite advertise this. It was not, wasn't even digital yet. It just had a meter. And I would notice that you could follow electrical fields be, by, and the currents that they surrounded. And when they had absolutely no apparent source the electrical currents, I'd start to get suspicious, you know. And there's more to it than that, but essentially that an electric, uh, electromagnetic field, or electrical field, I should say, surrounds an electrical current. And um, when the field is reversed on an electromagnetic field, or in other words, when today's digital EMF meters will go into the negative, the negative range, that sets up a flight. And I, w- you know, I wish you had come, you and Mom were with me at, at that, conference in Parkersburg, West Virginia, when I was a speaker there in 03, and you were just a young lad, but we, you didn't go out to that island at night to the, the so-called ghost walk no. that I ended up leading. <laughs> well, I was like nine years old. I was tired. I know. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, uh, but, but that was very interesting because uh, there were several examples of, of that happening. Uh, and a number of interesting things happen, and those that field went into the negative range. So, electromagnetic everything everything is electromagnetic, really. Yeah. All matter is held together by electromagnetic energy. Uh, gravity uh, fields and everything else are all related to it. Mm-hmm. Things uh, essentially, and, and so it, it's what holds the universe together. And it's apparently it's what's also what's hold, what holds the multiverse together, as we call it, all the, the various parallel universes that we. So basically, if in. one has a powerful enough electrical current. Could they then, and it, and it had a significant field around it, would it be possible to reverse it and create a f- sort of suction effect? Like, do you yes. know what I'm trying to say? Yes. Oh, well, that's uh, a short answer to the question. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, and people, and again, people have asked, well, there are other factors. That, you know, Einstein said that space and time were curved. Yeah. And I believe these things do funny things with space and time. Yeah. And, uh, and I've, I've said this before on the air, but people have asked, when you hear... 
paranormal things such as and I, you know pointing to 1971 to that case in those woods in Pomfret, Connecticut. Yeah, or the you heard, you heard, Yeah, uh, you, you would hear the um, uh, a sound over here. You know, somebody you know like a, a farmer who's not there anymore, kind of banging on some kind of plow or something. Yeah, you'd run over there and it would be just over here. Or if you you would run over here and it would just be just over here, you could never quite get to it, although you could hear it very clearly. Uh, there's the example of the laughing children that we heard in that same location, moving up and down this brook at an unnatural speed, and in that case, it was almost as if you weren't running to them. It was like they were they were in relation to you, having the same thing happen to them that was happening to you. Because again, uh, people participate in in these in these uh, events, these paranormal experiences. Yeah. But to get back to what we were talking about with the fields, we fulfill the role of I like to think it's a valuable role in some way of experiencing what the people in the classrooms, the physicists, are talking about. They don't come out, and physicists don't come out generally, and, and um, although we did have an electrical engineer from URI who would come with us once in a while. You never mm-hmm. knew him. It was before your time. Uh, my good friend, Dr. Everett Crispin from, uh, from, from uh, Woonsocket here. And he uh, and others, uh, I would love to have come with us more, but generally they don't do that because they're afraid of their academic reputations. We are the ones who go out and experience it, but yeah. we, we don't have the classroom knowledge. They, however, do, and uh, what we experience is what they describe, in my opinion, and uh, hence that was the beginning of all these sort of theories that I have. I mean, again, they're not necessarily our theories, but other people have sort of discovered them, No, we're them just sort too. of – no, it's not really – we don't really claim ownership. No, I, I think it might have been the first one to apply – uh, the, the ideas of the multiverse and quantum yeah. mechanics two cases because I started doing that in the late 70s because I just couldn't explain it any other way. The, the, the old spiritualist ideas just didn't have any uh, any validity. that didn't explain anything. So uh, that that essentially is, is a long story about these electromagnetic fields, but I'm glad to see an astrophysicist kind of backing us up on this. And when Fred Allen Wolf, the, 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 you know, Dr. Oh, Quantum, yeah. was on the show, he, he kind of backed us up too in, in most of the ways. So quick, quick question. As you were mentioning about... Um the village of voices sort of thing where it would just be over here or like if you ran over to it it would just be over there would it is the experience based on somebody's perception because we are indeed participating mm. in the event simply by listening to it yes because that's part of one of the quantum ideas is that the observer really makes the event what it is uh you know the the uh, heisenberg uncertainty principle in physics not yeah. not not to teach a physics class here but well, th- that's the idea that something – well, the particular illustration that's usually used is something is either a wave or a particle depending on when you look at it. If it – you know, you can't really measure how fast it's going and where it is at the same time. So th- this is all part of, part of this scenario that the observer participates in even the creation of reality. Hmm. Pretty wild ideas here. So, so how would one participate in – I wouldn't say pushing the voice, the disembodied thing – um, away. How would one participate in its movement? Okay. Uh, well, that's an interesting question. You mean from a well? One thing we'd like to do is to find a way to participate in it so that it stops. Hmm. If if it's if it's a bad interworld connection, yeah, such as with parasites, that kind of thing. How how do, how do you close it off? And certain things seem to do that. The sage. We were talking about from from the uh, the, the previous question. Yeah, the sage, uh, the bells, um, even even bringing in positive energy, prayer, humor, love, to sort of 
cut things off, you cut off the food supply and the things won't bother you, at least not as much, or, or it might fade into the background, it might disappear entirely. Right. But the idea that... Um, how how what is our relationship exactly with it? I because nobody really knows. One thing I do suspect is that many times people and we've this has come up too. We can project something, and th- what got me thinking on this was was one of the few times I was watching one of these ghost hunting shows. You know, which yeah. they're ludicrous in my opinion, most of them anyway. And somebody was saying, well, gee, can we, can we have a, a change in the temperature? You know, assuming that this is the, the spirit of a dead person who was like all powerful and knows everything as soon as they quote pass over. I mean, that's an extremely dubious, uh, assumption. Yeah. Uh, I've run into, uh, many people who are in that position who don't know anything and are terrified and confused and everything else. So in any case, I, I wonder if, and of course the, the thermometer would change. <clears throat> and <clears throat> very often, you might think, well, that must be the, the spirit doing it. But in, in many cases, I have um, disagreed, you know, not like these nitwits that went on sort of yell at it and everything else. I have um, made it known that I don't believe that uh, this entity in a particular case is what the people in the house think it is, you know, particularly a relative. Yeah. Because it just doesn't come across like that. And the whole nature of the thing changed. It was, uh, it, it realized I didn't believe what it was, so it changed into something else. So uh, the question arises, and I've thought a lot about this, is is some or all of this at times projection by us? Now, I don't think so because I've seen such overt activity on the part of some of these things, particularly when I've been hit by television sets and chairs and everything else. It's not like uh, you, you projected, so like I want to hit myself with a TV. No, I doubt very much whether that's it. You just, you know, there's a certain presence to another being. You just get the feeling that, you just get the certainty that there's someone or something there, particularly in this Bridgeport house in 71. There were four entities coming down that hallway, and I had a physical altercation with one. I doubt very much, because uh, we pushed each other. I doubt very much if that was a projection on my part, particularly with the other people experiencing the same thing and being as terrified as they were. So, again, these are all questions about what what what, the, what this could be. So participating in, in the phenomena may take many different forms, simply by observing it, or even, in some cases, by creating it. We just have trouble identifying which is which from time to yeah. time. Yeah, well, it's like someone who, well, actually, no, I can't think of a good analogy for this. But anyway, that's enough of that. Let's go on to something okay. else. Yeah, here's one from uh, Mady G, or Maddie G in Manchester, England. Ah. We must be big in Manchester, England. We'll see we get a lot of emails from there. All right. So uh, Mady, or Maddie writes, uh, Hey, Paul and Ben. I look forward to your podcast every every week, but I have one question. Uh, the classic view of ghosts, uh, which you disagree with, says that the dead can come back because of unfinished business. But how could they do that if they are living uh, parallel lives where they are not dead? Uh, why would they bother with their old with their old life here? There are many cases of the dead coming back to tell something important to their families or to take care of unfinished business. It has um, or it has been happening in my own family. How do you square that with your theories? Okay, well, it's a very good question, uh, Mady. Uh, I would say, of course, that what you present, the idea of this unfinished business, if that's what it is, does not conflict with the multiverse idea at all. As a matter of fact, it makes it possible as I said earlier, if someone is dead, they're dead. They would not be concerned with unfinished business because they would have no life left. Okay, that's that's the clinical definition of death 
is you're dead, all right? So the whole idea that you know you got the spirit of somebody coming back bothers me because I don't like dualism. It's a mixture of good old Greek classic dualism and philosophy with dear old 19th century spiritualism. People don't know what these things could be, so they assume from our own point of view, which is very inadequate, these are, these are the spirits of dead people. How can you be you without your body? Your body is not bad. Matter is not bad. It's not evil. Spirit is not necessarily good. Uh, all things are good. Both are good, I think. Uh, I shouldn't have said not necessarily good because it is good. Everything is good, including matter. So uh, be that as it may, we cannot be ourselves without our bodies, in my opinion. Our bodies are intimate uh, tools and vessels for us, for our experiences, for our uh, accumulation of memories, imagination, creativity, and everything else. Uh, and I think you cannot be you fully without your body. So I don't. I never really believed in this spirit thing. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but I've yet to hear an argument that kind of proves that I'm even near wrong on this. And my whole experience over 42 years is that these things are not spirits of dead people. Okay, so what about the unfinished business? Why? Why should when you pass to your when when your body here is used up and your consciousness simply shifts to where you were living, probably a physical life somewhere or somewhere else. Uh, that's how I think it works. How, well, you're already living this life. Why would it be of any consequence to you to have unfinished business here, uh, to try and finish it up? Well, there's a thing called love, which is really, I think, the... And I'm not a touchy-feely guy, but love really is the greatest power in the multiverse. It cuts through boundaries, it defeats enemies such as parasites, it builds bridges, it creates unity, and unity is everything. Unity is power, unity is knowledge. So this is what uh, I think really dominates in the multiverse. And when you have love for someone or for your family in any place or any time, there is a certain unity among your lives. The nature of spiritual growth, in my opinion, is the more you realize how many lives you're really living across the multiverse. It sounds strange, but it's a great unity within yourself. You're able to tap into the knowledge, the wisdom, the mistakes you, you are making in other lives, and you can bring them together in your consciousness to help improve your general life as it is, the whole, the whole unity of the whole thing, sort of improve it and make you a general uh, generally better super being, if you will, super personality. And so when you have unfinished business uh, that involves your family, I think particularly in ever, all the cases I've heard of unfinished business, ghosts, quote-unquote, has to do with something that would be good for the family of the person uh, the person has supposedly left behind. Now, I, I don't believe anybody's left behind. As a matter of fact, I believe you are with this person, this loved one, in many other lives, uh, going on just as you were, better than you were usually, sometimes worse, but that love is there and that, that, that still goes on. When, when we have a loss in our family, that's how we look at it, and we consider it a joyful thing because we're still with that person. It's not that they're here, it's, it's that the, we're, we're with them in parallel lives. So I think that's essentially how it works. If you look at it in that larger perspective, it becomes perfectly logical that someone would try to communicate to you, well, here's where the will is, you know, and that Beyond that, there are many worlds, I believe, in which, and that I believe I've seen, in which many of these people are in 
I suppose, what mediums and psyches might like to call uh, more enlightened states, higher, how do they, what are they? they Consciousnesses. Higher consciousness. Higher levels of consciousness. Higher levels of consciousness. Well, you are very aware of many of the other lives you're living, uh, the the, the, the people you love very much who are somehow with you all the time. And uh, that's how you, and essentially communication and guidance can take place. And again, it's not a ghost or a spirit. It's the actual person. Uh, reaching across these boundaries we've been talking about. And it seems to become easier when they're thinner. Uh, but in many of these more conscious or highly conscious states, I think we can actually do that more easily than we can from here. And what are we doing when we're praying or when we're attempting to reach out to another person, when we're meditating or doing anything like that? We're reaching across world boundaries. We are rising above what we are here to become what we are there. Higher consciousnesses. So I think I think that's how it works. So I don't see any conflict whatsoever, Mady, in uh, in this. It's a matter of uh, kind of getting beyond the old ways of thinking about things. And we have a caller. Hello, hello, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Guys, how are you? It's Scott from Uxbridge. Oh, hi, Scott. Hey, not bad, Scott. How are All things right, in Uxbridge? You know, uh, things are fine. Things not are frozen fine, solid. Like everywhere else. No, not too bad. Okay. You know. Earlier last week, though, I think I could have thrown a bucket of water in the air. <laughs> oh, I know it. It was just brutal. But uh, here's what I wanted to ask you guys about, and, and I turned the show on a little late, but were you answering a question about herbal remedies or something at one point? Oh, no, someone wrote in about uh, why sage helps to purify a paranormal situation oh, okay. effectively. Yeah. Okay, well, here's what I wanted to ask you guys about, if you could kind of um, inform me a little bit. Uh there's a, uh, a technique, it's called, I think it's called either smoothing or smoting. Oh, smoting, yeah, smoting. Okay. And yeah, you take a bunch of dried leaves, you bind them together real tight, almost like a cigar with twine. You light it on fire, you blow it out, you oh, wait till the hot Sorry. ash is gone. <laughs> it's smothering, <Huh>? my bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then you, you basically, you, while the, while it's still smoldering, these leaves are still smoldering, you rub it on, say the person has a problem with their arm, you rub it on their arm, and then you rub the warm ash into the skin and it's supposed to take like draw the poison out or something do you know the technique i'm talking about ben that's your domain well i actually it depends some native american tribes do that they do use the burned or charred leaves themselves to use it as an herbal remedy others just use it for a blessing kind of process like i stayed on a navajo reservation for a week with some people from my school and I stayed on a uh, monastery there, and they had a church, and one of the uh, sachems, or it wasn't a sachem, uh, one of the medicine men was blessing us, and, da- and not dowsing, like uh, smother- using like smothering stuff on us. Because I think it's smothering. I sound like an idiot. I should know this. You're smudging. You're smudging. Smudging. Smudging, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't quite re- recall the exact term either. It's been a while since I heard about it. Smothering. But, yeah. it smothering, smudging, smudging. That's it. Yeah, so smudging, that. Yeah. You smother if you have too much smoke. I guess, I guess yeah. yeah. You could get, like, like consumption or whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, so the point, the point I'm trying to make is um, it really depends on who uses it. And like what the tribe's traditions are, or whatever. I have I've never seen it done myself. I've just seen like the blessings with the smudging, and that's about it. Okay, because this I I remember I worked at some whole health expos uh, back in the mid '90s, and I remember I was basically audio taping the lecturers. And I remember there was something about it. I didn't get to sit in on that when I was busy because basically what we would do is we would tape the lecturers, and then we would make copies. The guy I worked for, we would make copies of the lectures. 
if you wanted to buy them. And it could be anybody like Stanton Friedman used to go to them. Uh, hmm. Bud Hopkins was there. Uh, but there were other people. Uh, one gentleman from NPR, an engineer, did a whole talk about connecting history and astrology. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, it was, a, it was a fascinating, fascinating job. You know, met some very interesting people, but I remember there was a whole lecture on that, and I just didn't get a chance to sit in on it. Well, one thing I might point out, Scott, is is that there is a factor here that maybe we don't often consider, and we we often bring it up in terms of uh, using holy water or oh, things yeah, like the, that. Oh, belief, yeah, faith yeah, and, that, and that's simply faith. You know, even Jesus would heal people and say, "Well, it's your faith that's done it." They give him all the credit. He said, "It's your faith," that, and I don't know if a lot of people notice that a lot. And something like with with smudging or even you know rubbing uh, the ashes on on a wound, say, or as you mentioned, an arm, uh, that could be simply. I'm not going to say it's a placebo, but it could be something that really brings out the power of one's own healing the part of our minds that well, will there's another heal ourselves. too i mean they, uh, if you're burning something you're creating an exothermic reaction which would change the chemistry of these that's leaves that's true too yeah so that changed chemistry might have some sort of medicinal properties interesting okay all right cool okay well great right. always nice to hear from you scott take care you okay. have a nice evening you too you too okay but i think we have time for one more email this is from meg in pittsburgh Alrighty. So Meg writes to us, Dear Paul and Ben, I never miss your show, but sometimes I cannot sleep after hearing them. The whole issue of parasites has... Neither can we. Yeah. The whole <laughs> issue of parasites has implied uh, background story every time you talk about them. That is... Uh, Could you read that again, please? Sorry. Uh, the whole issue of parasites has implied background story every time oh, okay. you talk about them. Right. Uh, that is the question of whether the human was created or genetically manipulated by them for their own sustenance. Uh, what do you say? Or what say you, actually? Oh, oh, yeah, people are starting to tie in the way I say things. All right. Well... What say you? I'll say, Dave? Meg, uh, it's, um, it's a difficult question. I think that none of us wants to think that we were manipulated into being cattle, mm. all right? There are, uh, I think, of some of the Gary. It's trying to look at the bright side. I see some of the Gary Larson uh, cartoons. If you remember the old Far Side cartoons, he's since retired, unfortunately. But he would these one-panel things that were just so hilarious and very, it's sort of zany kind of humor that comes with high intelligence. This fellow had, and I remember one in particular where he always had cows and chickens. And goofy-looking people. Yeah, anthropomorphic, like, animals. Yeah, and, and if, if some archaeologist finds this someday, it's going to be like, what kind of troglodytes lived in the 21st century? So he had one where the, there were always, the cattle were always trying to rebel against the farmer, you know. And there was one where they would attack the house and, and they would hook the farmer up to the milking machine to see how he liked it. And kind of, yeah. You know, so, <laughs> so, I mean, it implied that even the cows could gain freedom from their oppressor, okay? And our oppressors, we have bad enough oppressors among many people uh, and many governments, but no further comment, but we, we have also uh, ability to do something about this. I think our greatest are these, perhaps these parasites, whether they, they for some reason or in, in some way specifically hijacked us, I'd like to think it's more like that, uh, but I, I tend to go back to the old idea that I like to think of that, that God created us for good things and for good reasons, not uh, 
what we think of as demons creating us or manipulating our genetics or whatever for their reasons. I, I just, I just can't. There's so many good things about the world. You don't hear that if you watch the news very often, but there's yeah. so many good things about the world and so many wonderful people and so many wonderful things about people that, uh, there's just too much good in us for me to believe that we were created for a negative reason. I can't, I can't, I can't really accept that. But again, that doesn't mean we can't be hijacked. And I think very often many individuals and families have been hijacked. Uh, for the the sustenance of these these unsavory creatures, so that that's what I say about that, Meg. Um, so anyway, I guess we're just about toward the uh, the end. Yeah, we we have about three minutes. Okay, well, in that case, so what do you think, Ben? Uh, any think? further comments at any of our comments tonight? I think not. Okay. Uh, well, I was trying to make a play on words. Any further comments? Yes. Well, I, I learned a lot. This was fun. And we always do. That's what it's all about. Yeah. We learn a lot uh, from uh, those who write in and from our guests as well. And that's and what uh, we will about. try to have more open line shows. I really uh, I like the comment. You you weren't. Uh, I think you, you were on the phone at the time, but somebody wrote in uh, that um, we're smarter than most of our guests, which I think is is a little saying a little too much. I, I don't, we we try not to have guests where. Uh, have you know we try to have like guests who have a lot to contribute. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, we, between us, we got fifty years of experience. Well, look at here, the field so. we're in. I mean, there's yeah, exactly. Some, and again, some, you know, we could be balls. wrong, but we have some unusual ideas. What the hey? You know, yeah. I don't know, so. Well, anyway. there's, there's bound to be some fruits among the. Well, of course. I, I could I couldn't think of a good analogy to tie it together. I'm sorry. And congratulations to Donna, our winner. We'll give you full information on that next week, and uh, she can expect a copy of Faces at the Window. Okay, so uh, we are just about done, I guess, and yeah. we wanted to just suggest that you look at our website, BehindTheParanormal.com, which has information on guests, past, present, future, and subjects for the show, and all sorts of great stuff that you might be interested in following uh, our work about, and it connects with NewEnglandGhosts.com, which is our main site. So and any also- news about the Necronomicon? Uh, yes, actually, we're going to have, I believe it's next week. Uh, Is it next week? You oh, will be with us. Gun? Yeah, so we'll find I out jumped, about yeah, find I out jumped about, the gun. <laughs> you jumped the gun. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so anyway, you can buy my books on the site. I hope you do that, certainly. Help us keep the uh, 450 podcasts free. And uh, subscribe to our newsletter or apply to become a reporter at the site. Show reporter. All right, so don't forget, we have nearly 450 free podcasts of all our shows. And they are available at www.behindtheparanormal.com. You can also apparently get them on iTunes. So oh, you can get them on iTunes. Yeah, They've always been on iTunes. The CBS ones are on You can get iTunes. the CBS ones on iTunes. Yeah. But, the, but if you don't feel like going on iTunes, you can always get them on our website. Yeah, they're easier to find. Yes. Anyway, so many thanks to our producer, Ben himself. And next week, January 14th, we will have University of Rhode Island professor and Necronomicon organizer, Niels Hobbs, to discuss H.P. Lovecraft and the paranormal. Ah, yes. Fitting name. Fitting name for a man doing an H.P. Lovecraft convention. And on our CBS radio edition on January 13th, uh, another 13, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) we'll have our happy Mayan debaters, Dierlon and Dr. Chris Keating, back on the show to do our final post-mortem on the 2012 prophecy. Did anything happen last month? Or didn't it? You might be surprised to hear the answer. Well, we leave you this evening with a thoughtful quote from an anonymous quotee. Sometimes we need to stop analyzing the past, stop planning the future, stop trying to figure out precisely how we feel, stop deciding with our mind what we want with our heart to feel, and sometimes we just have to go with whatever happens, happens, unquote. Wow, that was a, wow, that's a lot for a small quote for the end of the show. Sorry. 
It's okay. I understand. But it was very, it was very, nah, no, I like it short and sweet. But that's about a wrap for us. So thanks for joining us in our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.